0: So I remember years ago, my dad used to like teaching me how to do practical skills. And uh, we were chopping some wood for something we were doing. And uh, we needed to chop multiple lengths of a set size of uh, two by four post. And so this was me learning how to do these skills. And I remember chopping the first bit, measuring it out very carefully, chopping the first bit, and then I used that bit to measure out the next bit, put that to the one side, chopped off the next bit, and then I used that next bit I chopped off and measured from that one, and I kept using the piece I just chopped off to measure the next one, thinking that this was how a really quick and efficient way of chopping wood at the right length. But as you might be ahead of me on this, as you'll know, that if you don't use the same piece as your measure, and you keep chopping and using the piece you've just chopped to keep measuring, What happens is you get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter because you're trying to copy a copy of a copy of a copy. And it degrades as you go on. As we look to Genesis now, and if you look at Genesis 5 to start with, if you've got a Bible with you, and then we're going to go into Genesis 6, there's this bit in Genesis 5 which is really interesting about Noah um, and his descendants and it's kind of got a whole ancestry there about who Noah is but it goes right back to Adam if you go to the beginning of chapter five it says something quite interesting there interesting in that point in time I'm just going to try and bring it up on the screen for you so you can see it So if you go back to Genesis 5, 1 and verse 2, it talks about how we were originally made. We looked at this, didn't we, at the beginning um, of the year about our original design, God's original intent for us when we were first made. And in Genesis 5, we've got an affirmation of that. When God created mankind, he made them in his likeness, sorry, in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and he blessed them. That's what Adam and Eve were created to be. They were there to be reflections of who God is. But then we have the fall and we miss the mark on our relationship with God. We miss the mark on our original identity, choosing to find our own identity rather than living in God's original design. And what happens is in Genesis 5.3, when Adam lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness in his own image, and he named him Seth. You see right there this kind of, um, uh, this moment where you see what we were made to be and what we've become. We were made to be in the image and likeness of God. And yet what happens is we try and strive to be in the image and likeness of other people. We try and be like other people. We try and find our identity in the likeness of other people. But our original design was to find our identity in God, in his image, in his likeness. I just find this a really interesting thing that we see here at the beginning about what we were called to be and what we've ended up becoming. We're made in the image and likeness of God in the beginning and then we become in the image and likeness of each other. We start looking to each other to find our identity. And let me just take it off the screen for a second. And what you read in Genesis 5 is that humankind just descends down, down and down and down and down. We're made in the image likes of God, but as we keep trying to create ourselves in the image of each other, looking to what other people are doing, we start falling out with each other, we start getting grumpy, we start getting evil thoughts about, oh, I wish I had what they had. We see this, this downgrading of what humanity was meant to be and what it becomes. And you see their desires becoming more and more and more spiraling down out of control. And it talks about in Genesis 6, the beginning of it, this is weird bit about the sons of God and the daughters of, of, uh, of earth having relationships together. And no one quite understands what it means, but I look at it from a more sort of metaphorical point of view of going, actually, the people of God water down what they're going to live for. And what you see is as... Genesis progresses in Genesis 5, there's this kind of watering down of that original design. The more they copy each other, the more they seek to um, find identity from other people, the image they're originally meant to be becomes something corrupted and something less. And then Noah turns up on the scene and there's this hopeful phrase in Genesis 5 where it says about Noah, it talks about Noah's dad Lamech and it says he had a son called Noah and he named him Noah and said he will comfort us in the labor pains of the toil of our hands um, caused by the ground that the Lord has cursed saying there's going to be some hope in Noah Noah's going to come and bring something different to us that we haven't seen Noah's going to be different he's going to live the original design he's going to show us what it means to live God's way he's going to take us back to being in the image and likeness of God. And what you see in Noah is someone who's living after God, striving to live in that relationship with God, in that connectedness. We've talked before about how what's lost in the garden is trust. Trust between our Heavenly Father and our lives, walking with Him, saying that we can trust Him. We can trust Him for our provision, we can trust Him for identity, we can trust Him for our vocation, our calling what's lost is we we lose trust in him when we choose to go our own way rather than trusting in him noah chooses to trust god and in the midst of this story we find noah who's trusting god implicitly with his life and then god calls him to something But before that we read in chapter five um is the fact that chapter five chapters beginning chapter six that God is so sad by all the sin that's happening in the world. He's saddened by the fact that people aren't living their original design. He's sad that they are choosing to look to each other for identity rather than looking to him for identity. He's sad that people are having to use evil as a way of trying to get what they want, trying to get to what they need, rather than trusting in a heavenly father who provides all that we need. And this corruption, it grieves God, it says that God is so grieved by this. And what we see at the beginning of this story isn't just a horrible, mean God that people can look at and go, oh, he's really upset with everyone, he's going to be get really cross. What you see is a God who genuinely cares about his creation. He cares. If God didn't care, he wouldn't have bothered with the story of Noah. But he cares, and the fact that it talks about he is grieved, he is saddened shows that God genuinely cares about all of his creation. Everything that he's made, he cares about. And that's kind of the first point this morning, is God cares about his creation. God is mindful of his creation. And that's why the Bible teaches that we should look after all that God has created. That's our original design, was to be stewards of the garden, to be people who are gardeners, planting and cultivating life wherever we can, taking the barren places of life and cultivating new grounds. We are called to care for God's creation because God cares about his creation and we were made in the image and likeness of God originally. God cares. And we read those verses about Noah, that Noah was given the name Noah because he would comfort people in the toil of their work. Now the word Noah in Hebrew sounds very similar to the word comfort it's kind of a play on words there that Noah means comfort effectively and so that's why he's named that he's given a name for a particular task and a particular purpose and he's known by God God cares about the uniqueness of Noah God cares about your uniqueness he cares about you and all that you are, in all of your quirks, in all of your foibles, foibles, he loves you as you are. He cares about you as you are, but he longs for you to live your original design, not looking to everyone else to find your identity. And it's so easy right now, in a time of lockdown, when your window into people's lives is solely through things like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever else that you're using today or TikTok or whichever one you're using, you're getting a window into people's lives that is edited. What you're seeing is the perfect sourdough loaf on Facebook. What you're seeing is someone's amazing baking achievements. You're seeing people's amazing veg patches that they've been growing. What you're seeing <laughs> is this kind of Picture-perfect world and life that we know isn't reality. What you're not seeing is the we've been living next to each other for so long now that we've fallen out so many times in the last few weeks because we're just so sick of being in the same space as each other. You're not getting that bit of it. You're not getting the frustrations and the tensions of people's lives right now. What you're getting is the look at my sourdough loaf. Look at my beautiful garden. Look at this, what I've done today. And so you're getting a snapshot. And it's easy to start thinking that if you're not using this lockdown time to learn a new skill, to do this or to do that, then somehow you're failing as a person. What you'll then do is you're looking to other people to find your identity rather than looking to our maker for our original design of saying, God loves you as you. If this lockdown time for you, is just you sitting there being, that's fine. If that's what you're about, that's fine. If you're someone who's really active and you've got lots of skills to try and learn and do, that's fine. God loves you as you. Don't look through the windows of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these things to see a filtered snapshot of people's lives and try and recreate that in your own. But look to Jesus right now and let him whisper to you, I care about you. I love you. I love your uniqueness. I love who you are. And I know how I journey with you. Don't try and replicate what other people are doing because you feel that you need to try and achieve that. You don't. Be you. Why? Because Jesus cares about his creation. And he's made you. And therefore, he cares about you because you are the work of his hand. God loves you so, so much. You haven't got to be like everyone else. You have got to be the most you you can be. Because when you are that, you're the best reflection of your original design of who Jesus made you to be in the first place. So, the first point this morning, God, we see in this passage, cares about his creation. He's grieved by the things that aren't good, but he also rejoices in Noah, who is good. So yes, God can be grieved by our sin and the things that we do that offend him and the places where we choose to ignore trusting him. But the reason he's upset by that is because he cares. And he cares about you and he made you and he loves you. God cares about you. The second thing we've seen in this passage is God can be trusted. God can be trusted. And right now, I think it's a good reminder for all of us that God can be trusted. I said, that's what's lost at the fall is our relationship of trust with God. We stop believing his promises are true in our life. We stop believing that he's going to provide. We stop believing that actually cultivating and working the ground in the garden is good for us. We stop believing the promises of God in the garden because that's what sin is. Sin is everything that takes us away from trusting in who God is. And we're looking for that fix somewhere else. In this story, we see Noah trusts God. And in doing so, God can be trusted. God asked Noah to build this amazing boat, this huge, huge thing, which Noah does obligingly because he trusts God, even though it seems crazy. And trusting God at times seems crazy. But also trusting God at times is really hard. Building a boat is really hard. There's a guy in, uh, I think it's in, in, he's in Holland he made this boat he built an entire ark I think it is and he used only hand tools and tools that would be available he at what he thinks at the time of Noah and it took him three and a half years to build this full-size replica of the ark so whether it took Noah three years or it took him longer or less time we will never know but the point is it's no mean feat and sometimes trusting God is just really hard being persevering with God day by day isn't always easy. And anyone who tells you it is, is lying, because it's not really easy. Following God is hard. Following his promises, trusting him where it looks bleak, isn't easy. It takes effort. It takes an active choice to trust sometimes. God tells Noah, build this ark and take all the animals, two of every animal, onto it, and I'll bring the animals to you. So Noah builds this huge, huge boat and is then waiting, waiting for this promise to come into being. And suddenly God brings all these animals to him from the smallest to the biggest. When God makes a promise, you can trust it from the smallest promise to the biggest promise. God cares about you. He cares about the small things. He cares about the big things in your life. It's so easy isn't it to kind of look at life and go, well, compared to that person over there, my problems seem very insignificant. Or, other way around going, compared to them, my problems are huge. Well, first of all, we're not about comparing each other because God made you as you to reflect his glory, not to look at them to reflect their glory. And God calls you to be unique. Noah's purpose and plan was to be someone who brought comfort to the world in a time of trouble. He follows God. He trusts God. And God brings the smallest thing and the biggest thing. God is faithful in his promise. For you in lockdown right now, there might be things that seem really trivial, maybe to the rest of the world, but to you, it really matters. God longs to speak into that and bring his promise of his trust into that. For you, there might be some massive things that you're facing right now, and God cares about that too. And you can trust him with the big things. You can trust him with the small things. God will provide for what he has promised. God will provide for what he's promised in your life. It might take some time to wait. It might take some patience. It might take some hard work. It might take some people telling you you're crazy. But you know what? Hold on to God's promise because he will always provide from the biggest to the smallest thing. He will always provide what he's promised so god can be trusted because he shows us this in this passage because he provides what he promises to noah and then thirdly today (coughs) excuse me great hope god's got a plan god's got a plan and i said noah's name means comfort he was there to bring comfort to everyone in a time when the world was a place of toil, God gave Noah a plan. Noah was faithful to God, and God gave him directions about how to build this boat. And he's obedient. And you see, the thing with it is, is often we're looking for purpose in our lives. But the thing we miss is that you find purpose when you live in obedience. You find purpose when you live in obedience. And what that starts with is faith or trust. Noah had trust in God. When God spoke, he responded in obedience. So faith or trust leads to obedience, and obedience leads to him having a purpose. God tells him, do this, and it gives Noah purpose. Obedience always leads to purpose. And purpose always leads to life. In the story of Noah, he builds a boat, he has a purpose. And that leads to new life taking place. So in our lives, know this, God's got a plan for you, but you have to trust him with obedient living. And when you listen to what he has to say and you you honour him in his word, it will lead to purpose in your life and it will lead to new life. So many of us are looking for purpose in the wrong places, but purpose comes from obedience, which comes from trust being put into action. God gives Noah instructions, very specific instructions about this boat and what it should look like. And you know what I've realized over the course of following Jesus for many years now is this. Often in the times when I've got huge decisions to make, God's often more quiet on it than I wish he would be I've talked to you before and shared about stories before when I was looking to go to Cardiff to train and I sort of said to God do I go to Cardiff do I go to uh, Bristol do I go somewhere else and God went I don't care I don't mind it doesn't bother me it was as long as you're being obedient to what I've asked you to do the ins and outs of it don't matter to me it was this big decision moment but actually what I've realized is Often in the big decisions, God is quite generalistic about his guidance. But actually, the times when we probably need his guidance the most is in the day-to-day normality of life. Because that's the thing where we can control that really easily. It's easy not to have to listen to what he has to say about it. When there's big existential crisis about what's the next stage of our life, we quickly turn to God because actually we want his guidance suddenly. But actually, for Noah, it was faithfully building a boat to specific specifications day in, day out. And actually, you know, God's got things to say in the everyday of your life about how you do that. But that's the bit where it's so easy for us to live that out ourselves and for us to control that and to miss God's voice. Because it's not the big flashy thing, it's not the big moment of crisis. Actually, in the day to day living, God might have something to say about how he wants things to work, how he wants things to function. Very specific things he wants to say to you about your life. So don't miss God in the normal, in the ordinary, and what he has to say about that. We often wait for the big moment of crisis or change or transition. And God has wisdom and advice for that. But actually, in the day-to-day living, build your boat build your ark according to God's specifications according to what he says his guidance looks like and lastly on this God has got a plan and this amazing plan is this you can always start again you can always start again no matter where you get to in your life and in your walk the great hope of this story is God's all about giving a second chance God's all about doing something new. You can always start again. And what God shows in this story, however we choose to view it, is the fact that when something goes wrong, God's all about new starts and new beginnings. And that's the whole gospel, isn't it? The whole gospel is Jesus comes to earth to show us how to live, to give us those instructions about how to live to die on the cross, to, to break the power of our mistrust of God, to break the power of sin, so we can live in perfect relationship with God again now, that's our second chance. And the great news is for us is the fact that even when we mess up, God still says, you can come back to me. My, new, my, my mercies are new every morning. Every day is a new beginning with God. Every day is a new opportunity to trust him afresh. Every day is a new opportunity to be obedient, to find purpose, to find life. Every day is a new opportunity. God is the God who gives us a new way to start again. So no matter where you find yourself today, whether you're living in the purpose and plan of God, great. But if you're not, you're thinking, actually, I just feel lost. Know this. God has got a plan, a very specific plan for you, just as he had for Noah. And that you can always start again. And for some of us, maybe we've ignored that for years, that plan. We've known it was there, but we've ignored it. Know this, there's still time. Because God loves to make a way for you to start over again. God loves giving second chances. So, just to close them, Just a reminder. God cares about his creation including you he made you to reflect his glory and his image you're not a mistake you are chosen by God to live and exist he's got a plan for you God cares about his creation and he cares about you God can be trusted with the smallest thing to the biggest thing and he provides for the promises that he's made he can be trusted And lastly, God's got a plan for you that you find in obedience to his voice, trusting him. And that leads to purpose and that leads to new life. God wants to involve you in what he's doing. God wants you to be involved in his story. God cares about his creation, including you. God can be trusted to provide. God's got a plan and it involves you. Let's pray. So Father God, as we look at the story of Noah, help us be mindful of how you've made us in your image and likeness. Lord, help us not look to other people to try and find our identity or what we should be doing. But Lord, look to you right now. To turn our eyes and our gaze towards you, not looking to the window, Of a filtered facebook or twitter or instagram feed but lord looking to you to find our identity to find our life to find what we are called to be thank you that you care about your creation and you care about us lord thank you that you can be trusted that what you say you'll do you do and we see that in the story of noah you tell him to build a boat because something's coming and lord it comes Lord, you tell them that you'll provide the animals and you provide the animals. Lord, thank you that you can be trusted with the smallest thing to the biggest thing and you care about them all. Thank you that you provide, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that you've got a plan. Lord, help us in the day to day hear your voice about the specific things you call us to do not just in the big moments of crisis, but Lord, actually just in the day to day to hear your whispered voice, setting out the plan of what you want to do with us. And Lord, thank you that your purpose and your plans involve us. So Father God, I pray that you'd help us to trust you, to be obedient, to find purpose and find life, knowing that we can always start again with you. You are the God who gives new starts and new life. So Lord, we thank you for Jesus who embodies that very message, the God who comes to take away the old and bring the new and call us into that trusting relationship where we find our identity afresh in who you are. Mm. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.